0: Welcome to Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey. I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture.
1: And I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. So, Anne, you know that diagram with Kevin Bacon in the center on six degrees of separation? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, we're all familiar with that, right? Well, I feel like we have our own going with our friend Jeff Slater, a prior guest, in the center of it because Jeff connected me with Danny Rosen, who was a guest towards the end of the year last year, and then Danny connected us with Chris Hendricks, who was also a guest last year. And then Danny has now connected us with today's guest, Maggie Kane. And so we've got our own little six degrees of separation diagram going with Jeff at the center. It's six degrees of Jeff Slater. I think that's right. (laughs) Exactly. So I am so excited that Maggie Kane is joining us. She is the founder and executive director of A Place at the Table, which is an amazing pay-what-you-can cafe in downtown Raleigh. But before I even knew of Jeff's existence, my first introduction to Maggie happened at Blue Lotus Yoga, our beloved studio. And remember the Blue Versary weekends that yeah, Jill used to yeah, have to absolutely. celebrate? Yeah, uh, we miss those so much. And every year it would raise money for a local nonprofit. And in 2018, that nonprofit was a place at the table. And Maggie was in the class and spoke a bit about the organization. And I can still remember just being so blown away. And y'all will hear why I was blown away when Maggie starts talking about A Place at the Table. She founded A Place at the Table in 2015, just three years after she graduated from college and has been the executive director ever since. And eight years later, it's not only still going strong, but it is having a profound impact on the community She's received a slew of awards and recognition. She was featured on the Today Show, which is pretty exciting. And her other awards include the Triangle Business Journal's 40 Under 40 Award, Outstanding Young Alumna from NC State University, and Tar Heel of the Month by the News and Observer. And I'm just naming a few. So with that... Maggie, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to have you join us and I'm going to turn it over to you to talk about your journey.
2: Yes, so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I don't even know where you found all those awards. We try to we try to keep those hidden. I was a private detective in a prior life. Yeah, you did some PI work for sure. So I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for, for mentioning Jeff and Danny and Chris, all amazing friends of mine. I actually, Chris, if he's listening, I just met him last week and he is an amazing new friend of mine. The podcast was awesome. Awesome. And I, I loved, I loved hearing all about that. And I'm so glad to have those three in my life. So thank you for highlighting us and thanks to Jeff for, for getting us all on the podcast.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about your journey. We've heard about the restaurant, which we're going to want to hear more about, but tell us about you. How'd you get to to sitting here in front
2: of us right now? Sure. Yeah. Let me take you way back. Uh, I was born and raised in Raleigh. A lot of people say that we are unicorns, but I don't actually believe that. They always say there's not a lot of folks that are from Raleigh, have stayed in Raleigh. I'm meeting a lot of us lately, born and raised in Raleigh, and just so lucky to have grown up with my mom. I have an older brother. I have a twin sister. So fun fact about me, she is my best friend. She's just seriously the best. She's got two kids. My brother has one. I am a proud, proud aunt. Growing up, my mom, as I said, I was so lucky to have been supported by my mom and have her show me the world and show me what was important in life. And so what was important to her was volunteering and getting us involved in the local community. And so we would volunteer at at places with church without church, but we'd volunteer at places like the soup kitchen in Raleigh which I'll talk more about later. We have an awesome soup kitchen, which feeds over 300 people Monday through Friday. They're really fighting food insecurity. So my mom, my sister, a group of us would go down and serve at the soup kitchen. And I I remember doing it many years of my just young memory and young childhood. And while we were there, I always wondered why we would be serving food at the soup kitchen. We'd be scooping out meat or chicken or whatever it was. And there would be a kid that was my age on the other side of the line. There'd be a physical barrier in between the two of us. And I always asked my mom and I always just wondered, why am I in this position to be able to serve this kid who looks just like me probably goes to a similar school to me is probably my same age. And then we're not sitting down and eating the food. We're going to Chick-fil-A after we're going to somewhere else to eat and we're going to spend hours eating there. And I'm going to get to choose french fries and whatever else I want. So I always, that always sat with me fast forward. I'm in high school, still volunteering. Some, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was made fun of a lot. high school is not a fun journey for me. And so, so I was like, I'm ready to go. I'm leaving Raleigh. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to leave town and found NC State and and knew that NC State was an awesome awesome school. So it was NC State versus Appalachian and I decided I'm going to Appalachian. NC State was great, but I got to get out of town. Ended up going to app in March right before I was go- going to go to app and it was -3 degrees and raining. And so I said, No way, I will not be happy here. There's no way. So I ended up going to state and it was awesome. And I'm so thankful I did. I went to state, met really, really great friends, joined different circles of communities, got really invested in more volunteer work. I was in a service fraternity. I was in a, a faith community called Presbyterian Campus Ministries. Been so long, but I was in this church group and we we heard speakers come out. So a speaker would come out once a week and talk about anything social justice related anything they were working on this community to make it better and I saw this speaker he was talking about a day shelter in downtown Raleigh that he was about to open and I just felt this push Maggie you got to go learn more about this day shelter so I asked the guy for coffee we went and had coffee
0: and we continued to just chat I'm just noticing this amazingly beautiful trend like I gotta tell you as a little person if my folks dragged me to a soup kitchen First of all, I probably would have gone kicking and screaming because I wasn't as good of a human as it sounds like you were. No way. No. But second of all, you know, to have the realization as a youngster that there was this separation between you who was serving the food and this kid kind of on the other side that was receiving it. And then to continue to interested in volunteering things, even as you yourself weren't having a great high school experience and to be seeking out those things in college. I'm just curious, sort of like, where did this come from? I mean, I totally hear your point about mom and taking you to, to these kinds of places, but I think it's a little bit more than that. Or you tell me, what else is in that do you think that was driving you to have this interest?
2: Sure. Great question. Great question. I don't know. I mean, definitely mom uh, to your point and just giving me those, the, the guidance and the influence and watching her do it all of her life and being such a giving person. But I'd also say it was really, really prompted in school. So that's mentioning the piece about being made fun of, not having a big circle of friends, feeling really lonely and that loneliness and feeling like I didn't have anyone led me to really start thinking of other groups of people that are lonely, that don't have anyone. And so, yes, of course it is It is about, you know, I'm standing across the line, I'm seeing a kid that looks like me who's hungry, but I really saw their loneliness too. I saw that there was this sadness and I didn't want that person to be sad. Just like growing up, I didn't want to be sad. Um, and I didn't like that feeling of being sad. And so I really wanted to continue to Be a part of different groups that made people less lonely, that brought community, that brought people together. I've also really struggled with the idea of, and so we're serving at the soup kitchen, right? Like that serving language, because I... I've never wanted to, to just serve people and provide meals. I've wanted to, again, go back to that create communities where we're doing this together and we're doing life together. I really believe, and I'll talk more about this later, that life is better when we all come together, when we're all really supporting each other on an equal playing field. And so I think, I know this may not be making sense now, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole, but I think it really was this like I just want to hug that person and tell them that you're a little less alone and I'm here. And so just continuing that as the years went on, because I felt
1: that when I was a young kid and continuing that, that I I didn't want that pain for other people. It's so interesting that you didn't use the word that you were bullied. You know, you used the phrase that you were made fun of and it doesn't really matter what language gets used, but it's so incredible and so beautiful that the impact it really seemed to have on you, I'm sure there were lots of impacts, but one of the impacts it had on you was it really increased your empathy and your ability to see something similar in other people, even if their circumstances were very different than yours. And that's a really incredible thing at such a young age.
2: Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I feel so lucky. I, I really do. I feel, feel like I was put on this earth to love people. Like I'm not good at a lot. You give me give me a spreadsheet and I am lost. We were talking earlier. (laughs) Give me a printer hookup and I'm lost. For reference, I hate when technology doesn't work. But you give me people and I just want to love people. And so that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life, in whatever capacity it it ends up looking like. I'm going to continue to love people because I know I want to be loved.
0: I think that's amazing, and I know you're a person of faith. And I may get this this quote wrong, so please correct me if I do, but there's something that goes, God doesn't give you anything that you can't actually handle. And so it sort of strikes me that as much as I would wish that you had an amazingly beautiful and fun high school experience, it actually kind of gave you a bit of the mirror to be able to be this person you want to be for other people such that they aren't suffering from the same kind of loneliness that you were.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for saying that. Absolutely. And I just noticed that trend all, all of my life of like, we know, like we gotta be better. I we don't we shouldn't have folks that are feeling feeling that way. So thank you. Thanks for asking that question.
1: Where we paused your story was you're at NC State, you are working with this ministry, you are really feeling drawn to help other people not be lonely. You don't want to be lonely. You don't want to be unloved. You don't want anybody else to be unloved or lonely. And so what else is happening for you from a school perspective? Are you pointing yourself in that direction? Or are you still pointing yourself in some other direction? Talk more about what's happening in that period of time no completely opposite it's so funny i do so many things at nc state
2: now and and talk to classes and things like that and i and i stand up there and they're like the first question what was your major at state and my major was international relations italian and business so i am literally thinking i'm moving abroad like in my head I am still leaving, right? I'm going to get through school. I'm leaving. I'm going to, I spoke Italian. I was really lucky to spend some time in Italy. So spoke Italian at the time. And I'm like, I'm going to move to Italy. I'm going to go teach English. I'm going to marry a hot Italian man, drink lots of red wine. That was my goal. That's what's happening in my head. I already wrote the story. And I actually, um, this so this day shelter is opening and I started getting involved. And for all who do not know, a day shelter is a shelter that works with with people experiencing homelessness so anyone can go, but primarily folks on the street. So it's a place for you to go and be in the day. They don't allow you to sleep there at night, but you can go get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich Make some coffee, make some water, have a place to be, use the bathroom, do laundry. And so I started to get involved and I just got to know so many incredible people who sleep outside at night or who are in and out of housing and poverty and food insecurity. And and they became my friends. And I would be there a lot. And so I also tell this to NC State. I, I've said this like in front of the chancellor of NC State. I'm like, oh yeah, I skipped class a lot and just really <laughs> focused on this shelter. But I did. And I don't advise that, but I did. And when I graduated college, several folks from the shelter came to my college graduation. And that's when I realized that this is the work that I am supposed to do. And there's more work to be done. And so I decided to form a job. They they weren't exactly hiring, they didn't even really have a staff. It was just kind of a volunteer based shelter program. And I I formed a job, didn't make a ton of money. And it was it, it, it I just felt so lucky to, to do it and be there and, and be a part of it. So I, I ran the shelter and got to know so many folks who were there. And for me, getting to know people is done through food, through coffee, through, through drinks, right? It's the, that's the tool. It's the tool that brings us all together. We all have to eat. We all love to eat. If you don't love to eat, I think it's weird, but (laughs) I I will find some food that proves you wrong. I love to eat. I'm one of those people that's always constantly thinking about what my next meal is. Me too. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm like, I'm not seeing eyes move over here, so maybe it's just me. I would go and eat with folks, and so I found myself back at the soup kitchen. And as I said, Raleigh has a fantastic soup kitchen that feeds these 300 folks or more every day. But what I found was, frankly, like I didn't get to spend a lot of time with folks. We'd stand in line, we'd have to get in, and we'd have to. Rush really quickly because they're beating people. They're turning the tables over really quickly. At that same time, in downtown Raleigh, it, we were. While Raleigh is such a great place to live, our organization was serving biscuits in Moore Square Park. So we have this big park where a lot of folks where there's a lot of restaurants and bars around, but there's a lot of folks too that are experiencing poverty there and and sleeping outside on benches. And so it was a time when downtown Raleigh was really pushing poverty out. So unfortunately, our group got asked to leave. They didn't want us serving biscuits there anymore. And so again, it was one less time I could could be and spend with people. And so I started taking folks out for meals and I started taking them out to places wherever they wanted to go, but like Golden Corral, if anyone knows it, it's a big buffet restaurant. And my privilege that I grew up with, where I could really have any food on the table that I wanted, I'm, I'm just so fortunate, said that that these folks who I'm taking that are experiencing homelessness, that they've chosen Golden Corral all these times because they're hungry. They can pile their plates on. They can get they can get a burger and they can get a salad and french fries and they can just eat a lot of food because they're, they're hungry. And my friend John changed my life forever in that moment. And I, I said that to him and he said, and John, by the way, had been on this, living on the streets for about three months for the first time in his all 50 years of life. And John said no, Maggie, that's not why we're here. I, I find food. Yes. I I'm hungry. I don't have a ton of money for good food, but I can find food. I chose golden Corral for this third time because of two reasons. The first I have choice here is that I can choose what I want to eat. He said, people make every choice for me from what I eat to where I sleep to where I use the bathroom here. I have choice. I can choose if I want a salad or I want a burger. I get to make that choice. And then he said, the second, the more important is I'm seen here. He said, living in poverty these past three months, living on the street specifically, people treat me as invisible. They don't see me here. Someone greets me. They acknowledge me. They come around. They see if I need a refill. I'm normal here. I'm I'm seen. That was that mic drop moment for me where I said, okay, we have to do something. We have to create a place where... People have choice and people feel seen. And then just as I said, downtown Raleigh was experiencing some, just some disparities between people with money and people without money, knew it was that exact time where we needed to create a place in downtown that re-brought everyone together, that that really allowed people to see each other, regardless of what the differences society tells us we have.
0: So I love this kind of aha moment that John provided for you. How amazing and I'm curious, was that when you decided Italy wasn't going to happen, and you weren't going to marry the hot guy and do and drink all the red wine? What was your decision point there in terms of like, wait, I really think this might be my calling, as opposed to this kind of little fantasy that I had created in my head?
2: Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, the fantasy still in my head, so okay, you're still, I, still a possibility. I, I mean, <laughs> I still could move to Italy and, and marry a hot <laughs> Italian. Don't tell my boys on that. But- okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What? Listeners, don't tell her boyfriend.
2: Yeah, delete yeah. <laughs> that part. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, yes, absolutely, it was that. I mean, I would say more of the aha moment was was seeing turning around at my college graduation and seeing five or six folks who were experiencing homelessness that made time to come and cheer me on. I think that was aha moment one, but two was okay, I'm not just like working in this work for a couple years, running a day shelter. And then, because I, I'm not someone that ever really like knew what I was going to do. I mean, I did want to be an astronaut when I was, um, five, six, seven, eight, but Who when did? I couldn't <laughs> do science and when I got a C in science, I realized that ship had sailed. But I think really getting to know people's stories, getting to know their hopes and their dreams, what they wanted to see in the world and realizing that I was potentially someone that could be a part of that. And so in talking to people like John and seeing what still needed to happen in downtown Raleigh, a city I loved where my family was, I realized, okay, why not? What's stopping me from doing something like this? So, so I I really went home that day, literally. And this, you can ask my mom, like I did this when I went to Italy. I went home that day and said, mom, I'm going to Italy next month. So I called her and I was like, mom, I think I'm going to start a pay what you can restaurant. And then four years later we opened. Had
0: you ever heard that term pay what you can restaurant before?
2: No, not at all. Great question. It's so odd that day. I remember I went to the library and we have great libraries right now. I do Kindle online, so I don't even walk in the library anymore, but I do love libraries. I think they're the third place for a lot of people, but I went into the library and I checked out, or I, I was looking at the books, like of different things. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. These are I cannot really get much, many ideas. So I started Googling church communities, faith communities, nonprofits, restaurants, things that included people, dignity, like all these kind of keywords that I wanted to see. And somehow popped up as good SEO, pay what you can restaurant, and popped up one of my nearest, closest, dearest friends in Boone. So, you know, I thought I was going to go to app ended up Boone. So another aha moment. And there's a pay what you can restaurant there. They've been open for almost a little over 10 years. And, and so I went to visit them and I kept going back. I brought about five or six different people with me and said, Hey, like, what do you think about this? And no one said, that's a terrible idea. Everyone said, I think I was waiting for people to say that's a terrible idea. Don't do it. But everyone said, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Like, let's bring it to Raleigh. And I actually really think they just wanted to see that. Like, is this 22 year old really going to do this? (laughs) (laughs) But no one said no. And I just kept going up and, and and seriously, Renee at Farm Cafe and all the, the Farm Cafe is the Caf the Peyo Chicken restaurant in Boone and all of them there, they gave me time, they let me come volunteer, they sat with me for hours and answered my questions and just allowed me to be who who I was and and ask anything. And so that's when I said, okay, let's do this. And what did the
0: that let's do this did that happen like immediately?
2: Like what happened? Yep. So I thought, yeah, we're going to open in six months. Everything's fine. And I will say one thing that happened, Oh, I came back from Barm and, and brought a bunch of people and we just started forming this little team of people that thought it would be a really neat idea in this community. And we just started meeting once a week and talking about it. And then more people just started getting added to the table. So it was like this, I have three friends and then they invite three friends. So the table got bigger, literally. And someone at that said, hey, right in front of this building, we were meeting out of a church on Hillsborough Street, close to downtown Raleigh, right off of NC State, said, hey, this, this guy is building this building. He's taking down the already existing building. He's building a high rise. And he thinks that this could be a good concept. It could help you. What do you think? And we were like, okay, sure. So in our eyes, six months, we're opening. So let's get it moving. And we started these conversations. We started getting the word out there. We don't have enough time to go into. I mean, I could talk your ear off of what we did. I mean, we formed a logo. We've now had Ford logo since. It was like (laughs) literally a clip art logo with, with like a soup bowl. And- we created brochures. No one has brochures anymore. I love a brochure though. So if you have brochures, I love a brochure, (laughs) but they're expensive. We did brochures. We started hosting information sessions and telling people about it. We got on social media with our 50 friends and started telling the story. And then the spot never worked clearly. They're literally, that was nine years ago now. And the crane for the construction just moved six months ago. So that space never worked. It went wrong, all the things. But by that point, waiting a year for it, we we started really like getting moving on it and getting a community around us. And I look back and I say this to a lot of folks that want to start these cafes. If we had opened in six months, like we thought we would not still be here today. It took us four years to get our actual doors open. And thank God for those four years. We built community. We built all the folks that show up every day and have continued to show up every day. I I always say we really we friend-raised. We built the friends of Table that continue to make Table happen. So we're so thankful it got us off the ground and started, literally. But we'd totally be closed. It just wouldn't have worked because the community wouldn't be behind it.
1: So it took you four years from concept to open, which in some ways sounds like a really long time. And in some ways it sounds like, yeah, that's not surprising. And what was happening for you in those four years? Because you had these big hopes. You can see in retrospect that it's really good that it didn't happen so fast, but what was happening for you either emotionally or intellectually in that period of time? Well, my nickname was called Maggie
2: Kane, Queen of Meetings. <laughs> it's still called Maggie Kane, Queen of Meetings, but that's where I got the nickname. So I ended up quitting my job. I did. I, I ran the day shelter for for maybe six months, but realized running the day shelter was like a twenty four hour job, and there was going to be a day, and there was going to be no time to really invest and pour into a place at the table. And so I quit my job and I actually got a job. So one thing I didn't say is throughout high school, I worked in in college, I worked in restaurants. And so I just went back to the restaurant world. So I started bartending. I started working in a restaurant, serving tables, and just got back in. I started doing that at night. So then in the day, I could focus on a place at the table and meeting with people. And so I'm meeting with people, telling them a story, as I said, friend raising, working at night. And so about two years in, I I was doing that. And I was getting really, really just burnt out and just like bottoms in. I just can't keep doing this. You know, I was 25, 26 at the time. I was in a, a ton of weddings. Uh, call me the the bridesmaids, you know, 27 dresses, <laughs> <girl>. dresses. <laughs> That's me. I don't have them anymore. I've now donated them. There's some great places to donate bridesmaid dresses to young women that that can't necessarily afford their, those dresses for prom and things like that. I'm just like frustrated because I want to be doing people work. I want to be working with folks and getting to know them and building relationships. And so I was just really feeling so frustrated and done. And all my other friends, what I didn't say is all my other friends are getting married. They're having these full-time jobs. They're like launching their careers. And I'm just kind of stuck. And I still believe in a place of table so much. I remember thinking this is about two and a half years in and just, I'm a person of faith. I'm a proud person of faith. And I just remember sitting there, I went to the beach for the weekend and I said, God, I need multiple things to happen. Like, Hey, either, one, I need to have something move with table. Give me a sign of hope. Two, I need to find a nonprofit job that I can also work and do and do that and still focus on a place to table, some part-time gig. And so I get back from the beach a couple of days later and I got a call from my board of directors saying, hey, it's time we start paying you. We will start making some money so we can pay you to keep working on this. We believe in this. We believe in you. We're gonna pay you. And then a couple of days after that, I got a call from our our l- landlord and said, let's start the conversations. We we are interested in having you come check out a potential space that will open in six months. So we started those conversations. You know, I look back on those moments and I say, I was this close to stopping. And that, if I did, it would have been totally okay. And I would, I would have landed somewhere great. And I would have felt like I was a, a part of changing the world too and developing relationships just as well. I'm so glad that we continued because we have a place at the table. But I do look back on that and say, it would have been okay because I would have learned a lot. I would have gone through a lot. I would have met a ton of people and we would have educated people about a place at the table and, and needing places for people where everyone is welcome. And so, you know, it could have gone either way. I'm really glad it went This way. I'm so thankful. But I know how easy it is to just be totally done and wanting some change in your life.
0: But what I love about what you just said is like you were, it sounds like you were just like, you're exhausted, you're working all night, and you're you're the queen of meetings all day and trying to get things going. And you were just at your end. And you kind of just put it up to your God and said, like, look, you know, show me sort of the way, if you will. And then kind of out of the blue, you're board said, actually, we found some money and we're going to figure out how to pay you. And, but the other beautiful thing is your acceptance of kind of what is, meaning that if for whatever reason, a place at the table hadn't come together at, at that moment, that maybe it would have been somebody else's dream that they would have been able to pick up, right? Like you had laid all this groundwork. And I think that idea of being okay either way and not having those regrets and looking back is pretty unusual. People either go one of two way, like I was devastated that thing never happened, or it's the one thing that saved my life. It was this one thing. But what I hear you saying is quite different. You're like holding them both. And that it's like, nope, I was sort of putting it into the God of my understanding, I was putting it into their hands. And and when I got back, they showed me the way kind of. Yeah, thanks for saying that. And I recognize my
2: privilege in all of it because. It worked. Table worked. So I know that I get to say this now looking back, but I remember being this close and feeling, I told my mom, I was like, feeling like, all right, it's time. And, and I'm okay. And therapy is helping. And, <laughs> and I'm okay. And and Table has certainly done so, has has tried to do so many different things over the years. The Place of the Table has tried. And they have not worked, and it's okay. It is okay, and maybe it'll work one day. So so I, I recognize my privilege, at a, and I really was this close to saying, okay, like, I am okay, the community is okay, and they now know that people need to be loved.
1: I saw a quote on one of your LinkedIn posts that was from a conference you spoke at a few months ago where you said, belonging is a basic human need. And I know that's such an integral part of a place at the table. And if you would just really briefly just describe for our listeners how a place at the table works, because it's so different than most people have experienced. It's just so different than anything you can imagine.
2: Thank you for saying that. I totally agree too. And every day that I get to go there, I just feel really fortunate. It's it's beautiful. And at the end of every day, I'm like, okay, this is why we do this work. A place to table is is Raleigh's pay what you can restaurant, and how that works is you walk in. It looks and feels like a normal restaurant. Any cafe that you may go to, it looks and feels just like that. You see fun photos on the wall. You hear good music, depending on who picked Spotify that day. Definitely not me. You smell really good food. You see just like. Font, just people are just like happy. It's, it feels warm. And it's only until you get up to the register where you start to see, okay, something's different here. I will say we just added our logo to the wall. So maybe you start to see it a little bit earlier, but you start to see some different signage for pay what you can. And all of our prices on the menu have a suggested price. So you as the customer, once you order your waffle or your bacon, egg and cheese biscuit, you will get a suggested price and you can choose to pay that price. You can pay more and pay it for, for someone else who can't afford their meal. You can pay less. We know some weeks are harder than others and all you can do is pay less. You can pay by volunteering with us. So you can join in amongst our, we, we've got about 27 paid staff. That you can join amongst our, our paid staff and then tons of other volunteers who come in each day to help the cafe run. You can join in and volunteer for your meal or you can pay by using a place card. These cards are cards that get, they, they look and feel, like credit cards or gift cards, they get handed out all across the community. People buy them too and hand them out and you can come in and get that meal as a, as a gift. So again, this nonprofit gives it to you or someone else gives it to you or you're a family. So we feed lots of families for free. If you can't afford your meal, come in, eat with us. We want to feed you. We want you to be in our space. Going back to that suggested price where everyone can choose to pay what they can. Our mission is community and good food for all regardless of means. Community is first. So going back to what you said about belonging, community is first for a reason. We use good food as a tool. Just like I said earlier, everyone loves good food as a tool towards creating community, bringing people People together. And so volunteers help us create community. You are creating community by volunteering and by eating together. So you told me that story, Sherry, of you sat next to someone who you were eating next to, who you would never have met in other places. And you just got to share in community and get to know each other. And that food broke down that wall. So we're creating that community every day. We always have just one more thing about the belonging we always have a door greeter. So the door greeter will open up that door and make sure you feel like you belong and that you understand and that you are a part of our community, as well as, of course, are the rest of our team and staff volunteers making people feel that way. But really creating that community where, and we say we're always fighting food insecurity, feeding 150 to 200 people a day who need a meal, but also fighting community insecurity, providing a place for people to belong and feel a part of something.
0: I just love that you included a greeter at the front door. It just feels like such a great homage back to John and and what he said was super important to him. So what a beautiful thing. So tell me what's what's next for a a place at the table? Like you said, you've tried some things that haven't worked. Things are going pretty good right now. If you've been in, before COVID, we were a tiny little cafe, 1,800
2: square feet. We were given the opportunity to take over the space next door during COVID. So we built and doubled our space. We now have 3,800 square feet. We built a commercial kitchen. We got bigger. We allowed spaces for more people, more groups, all of the things. And so we're already at, like, we are like, okay, we are at capacity in this space. We're feeding a lot of people. We're building a lot of community. So the cafe is good. I always say we've got to figure it figured out and then I preface it: we actually don't have it figured out. <laughs> we just have as much as we can figure it out right now, knowing that something comes at us every day that we don't know. But realizing that, okay, we've got it. What else can we do? How else can we can we be a part of this community and get to know other people and and go to where people are and get to know other communities? So we are opening table food truck, and we are very excited. We're taking the pay what you can system on wheels. So. That is what's next for us. We are really pumped to come bring Table Food Truck around the community.
0: You guys are both in Raleigh, and so I'd love to hear how folks local to Raleigh can support you, but I'm not. I'm all the way across the country from you, and a lot of our listeners are spread out all over. So I'd love to hear if you have any ideas of how other people can get involved in their local communities to help out.
2: Sure, totally. Well, one, I think you definitely come see us, come meet with us is always number one. Two, check out our social media, Table Raleigh. It's a really fun social media. We have a great team that runs it and just posting different people, different food items. It makes you hungry, so don't look at it hungry. <laughs> so check that out, check out our website. Uh, obviously, I'd be a terrible executive director if I didn't say there's always a place to donate because there is. We're always looking for monthly givers as well as just one-time donors so that we will we will obviously take any time. But I think that the, the last, thing I'd say to how you can help is get involved in your local community. Find places that fill your cup, fill your passion. Sounds cliche to say fill your cup, but really like fill your passion and something that gets you excited and join in. Our nonprofits need you. We need your support financially. We need your support volunteer-wise. And it's so fun being a part of other communities that are doing good work. So find something locally and and join in. They, those nonprofits need you.
0: I love what you said about finding your passion because that's so you're exemplifying that don't just volunteer because it's like checks the box or looks good on a resume, but find the thing that you're super passionate about, which is exactly what you've done.
2: Yeah. And I, I will say, I think like I, I'm never one that gets upset if someone doesn't donate to us because one, there's enough money to go around, but two, or volunteer with us, but two, we're all passionate about different things. My twin sister, I'm passionate about, and she'll, she'll laugh hearing this podcast. I'm passionate about people and, and she's passionate about animals. And she loves people too. But I have my whole life, a part of my donations given to ministries and organizations with people involved. She gives to animal organizations and volunteers at animal Like The saint of a human drove to D.C. to pick up golden retrievers as they were getting off the plane from Turkey a couple of years ago. So like we could not be more different and have different passions. And that's important because all of the organizations need us and need, you know, need our support. There's a famous theologian, um, Frederick Buckner or Buchner. I always say that wrong. And he says, your passion meets halfway with the world's greatest need. So find it.
1: And don't quote me. It's something like that. It's like your vocation, but I shortened it. Well, that is so beautiful. And I feel like we could talk about your journey and a place at the table for another hour, but we don't have another hour. (laughs) And so one last question for you, if you could go back in time and have a conversation with your younger self, what is one piece of advice that you would give her?
2: Yeah, awesome. I love that question. That's beautiful. If I could give go back and tell my younger self, it would be I think two things. The first, find community. Find your people. There are people that that want to be a part of your life. You are good enough. Find people that are just like you. Surround yourself with those folks or find one person because life is better in community. You don't have to be, you know, as alone, Maggie. Find someone. And I certainly did. So any of my friends listening as a young kid, I certainly did, but continue to find those communities of people that, that love you and get you. The second would be to celebrate everything. I think we, we get so busy in life that we don't celebrate the little wins. And so, so I wish I could go back and celebrate some of those really cool things that I did, table did, we did, my family did, right? So celebrate those little wins. They, they're what keeps you going and gets you excited and want to wake up in the morning. So I think it'd be those two things for sure.
1: That is beautiful. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been an amazing conversation. And for all our listeners in the triangle, if you have not yet been to a place at the table, go check it out. It really is an incredible experience.
2: Thanks so much. Yes, come please see us and would would love to see you in the cafe.
0: Amazing. Maggie, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate the time and just what a beautiful gift you are to your local community and inspiration for those of us that aren't in your local community. So thank you for joining us. And I think that's going to wrap up our episode for today. We really hope you enjoyed it and would love it if you would share our podcast with a friend, give us a reading on iTunes, or post it to your own social media. You can find information in previous episodes at flowingeastandwest.com. Please join us next time for Flowing East and West. The Perfectly Imperfect Journey.